Thompson. On the show today, we have the fabulous Renee Dale from Boutique Connection. Welcome to Season 4 of Property Matters. We are back, season four. Time has flown by. It feels like only yesterday we started this show and then we've had a pandemic or two, a studio move or two, and uh, here we are at season four in 2024. Thanks to everyone that's messaged over the Christmas and holiday break and downloading our podcast. We love you all. You can find us pretty much wherever you like to get your podcast, but especially up on Spotify. And make sure you follow us on Facebook, Property Matters Radio, so you can stay up to date with what's happening. Now, I've got a fabulous guest to talk to in a few minutes, but first, a little bit of a market update on what's happening as we start the new year. Because as 2024 dawned, the New Zealand property market showed signs of vigour and vitality. It's a great start to the year. January data from realestate.co.nz saw sellers eager to list and buyers actively searching and prices rising. Now, a good friend of, of Property Matters, Vanessa Williams, spokesperson for realestate.co.nz, says the positive start to the year offers opportunities for buyers and sellers alike. She says the mood of the market is warming. 2023 was the year of market correction with low listings and fluctuating prices. But at the start of 2024, we are seeing new energy, including record price growth in the South Island. Prices started to warm up during January as more than half of New Zealand's regions saw year-on-year average asking price increases. In locations where prices dipped, the decreases were modest. None of the regions that experienced a drop in average asking prices year on year saw declines greater than 10%, Vanessa says. The average asking price upswings were driven mainly by regional centres in January, notably Central Otago Lakes District, Coromandel, Marlborough, Northland, Otago, Southland and the Wairarapa all saw both year on year and month on month increases. Now, despite New Zealand's economic powerhouse, being economic powerhouse, I should say, Auckland is not currently the nation's most expensive location to purchase property. That's a relief for us up here in Auckland. Instead, Central Otago Lakes District has been fetching the highest prices, fairly consistency consistently over the past five years, with brief stints from Auckland in June 21 and January 22. And after a year of low listing numbers, the new year has seen a change in seller activity with a 10.5% increase in new listings nationally year on year. January 24 also saw significant growth in new listings across 11 of the 19 regions. Wairapa, Coromandel, Auckland, Marlborough, Hawke's Bay, Manawatu, Whanganui, Northland and Central North Island all experienced a substantial year-on-year boost to new listings, surpassing the national average. Conversely, Gisborne, West Coast and Otago faced their lowest January listings since realestate.co.nz records began 17 years ago. Now, in January, the way vendors chose to list their property for sale also indicated market confidence. Auctions are returning to their pre-December prominence after a hiatus over the festive break, rising 38.1% to reclaim their status as the preferred pricing strategy for vendors. 
Now, the year saw a resurgence in demand for properties. Nationally, searches were up by 21% on December and 14.2% compared to January last year. This positive trend was mirrored in engagements, which is the number of properties saved and emails sent to agents, with 25.3% increase from December and 21.9% rise on the same period the previous year. The significant increase in demand as we kick off the year is a clear sign that buyers have returned to the market with renewed interest. A massive thank you to Vanessa and the team at realestate.co.nz for keeping us informed. You can check out their website for all the details. Also, over the break, we were named in the top 10 real estate podcasts around the nation. Did you know there's over 300 real estate podcasts in New Zealand? And we are sitting, well, we rotate between number three and four each month. So thank you. And that is thanks to the fabulous team at Feedspot for getting that information out. That's your little market update to kick off the show. But now, as it's the first episode for season four, what better thing to do in the middle of summer than sit here with a glass of wine, which none of you can see. But I am happily sitting here with Renee Dale, who is the manager of Batik Connection. Welcome to the show. Cheers, Stephen. Cheers, literally. It's great to have you here. <laughs> and look, I, I'll be really honest to our listeners. I invited you on the show because I have been so impressed with your service for a number of years now. And I have told lots of people about it because it is what I would call old-fashioned good customer service. And we'll let you unpack it shortly. But um, that's your reason for getting on here today because I'm a great passionate person about customer service. I'm one of those people that, you know, I'm out shopping with my daughter and at the end I'll say, excuse me, is your manager here? And they always <laughs> look absolutely terrified that I'm going to complain. And then the manager will come up looking equally grumpy because they think you're about to moan. And I'll say, excuse me, this staff member was outstanding. You need to do whatever you can to hold on to her. And then I'll often give her my card and say, if you want to work in real estate, get in touch. Because... We're so quick to judge the negative, but it's so rare to see the, you know, the 10 out of 10s. Yeah, um, I agree. And your service definitely scores a 10 out of 10 from me. But before we unpack it, tell us a little bit about yourself and your own life journey that's led up to sitting here with a nice glass of wine on a <laughs> Monday afternoon. Yeah, cheers. Um, I've, I had to have a, a glass of wine in my hand because I'm just so used to doing that, <laughs> swirling it. I even swirl with a bit of water sometimes. But... Um, it's interesting that you say that about the service because I've never really been like a salesperson. It's just not really been in my nature. I'm quite, even though I'm really passionate about wine, I love talking about wine. I've just never been able to sell wine until recently. Wow. And I think because I'm basically selling wines that A, I believe in. And B, I know a lot of the people who are producing them. And so I'm really passionate about their stories and, and sharing their stories. And then I just happen to sell wine as well. <laughs> um, so I was, you know, quite an introvert as a young child. And I decided that I wanted to be a professional football player. So I represented New Zealand um, as a young 18-year-old at That's the so cool. secondary level. Not quite the, the cool level, but almost. Yeah. And then I realised I just didn't have the mental capacity to become to become an athlete. And I don't know if you've been watching the news lately about the New Zealand football ferns and also like the women's football around right. the world. They've made a huge change with their um, female 
footwear and clothing because they finally realise that there's actually a future in female sports and female football in particular. And we always used to wear men's shoes and men's mm. gear and just, it was tough. And a lot of the athletes have come out and said that it was, it has been a tough ride all this way along. Um, just for um, a quick reference, you know, one of the um, football ferns came out and started this movement called Fix the Internet. So we, uh, the news were often quoting, you know, the the highest scoring footballer for New Zealand was so-and-so, I forget now. But it was actually Amber Hearn, who I used to play with. Wow. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, it's, it's a, it was a tough world and I just realised I didn't have that in me. Uh, so I decided what else did I love to do and I hung up my football boots and started foot stomping grapes instead. So, that um, is so cool. Where did you do that? I, I went and studied straight out of high school at EIT in Hawke's Bay. So I have a real soft spot for the Hawke's Bay. And did a three-year degree there, got a scholarship to Italy, travelled around, ate my way around northern Italy, uh, put on six kilos in five <laughs> weeks. <laughs> it was fantastic. And really, really fell in love with the industry there and realised that that's quite a large industry and you can find your place mm. in it. Um, at that time, I was a bit more of a science nerd and I was really into the food science of wine. Yep. And eventually fell in love with production side, less so in the lab, less so research and more so just getting stuck in and getting dirty feet and yeah, just really enjoying the process. Um, and also the connection to the seasons because mm. you you really can measure your life in what vintage that was. It's quite bizarre. But if you think about most creative industries, you have thousands of attempts at doing that one creative thing. Whereas in wine, you've really got one shot every year to get it right. So if you start as young as I did, I probably had 50 vintages to get, get it right. So this wine that we're drinking here um, today is one of the wines I think I got right at 36 years old. So Brilliant. <laughs> I'm pretty proud. Tastes, tastes pretty right to me. <laughs> what is the name of your own wine brand? My own wine brand, because it's all about me, is called Moi Wines, <laughs> M-O-I. Um, it actually stands for Moment of Impact. And my premium range is filigree. So it's all about texture and the, the beautiful feeling of a wine in, in your mouth. So I actually brought this wine along um, to show you. It's it's a white wine, uh, but it's not cold. It's not chilled. It's warm. Well, it's not warm. It's cellar temperature, I guess. <laughs> and the reason I brought it along at that temperature is because I think the trick to making a delicious um, chilled beverage, no matter what it is, is to try it at the temperature it, it might get in the glass. Mm. And if it still tastes good then you're on to something. Yeah. <laughs> and I appreciate that because I'm a slow wine drinker. I'll enjoy a glass slowly. And you're right, that starts beautifully cold. Yeah. And within 30 minutes, especially in this heat, it is at room temperature. And this is tasting very good. So that segues then and where does Batik Connection come in? When did you sort of find this, the spark, I guess, to kick this one off? Well, my own brand was probably eight years in the making. Well, it, I'd had it for eight years and... COVID hit, um, we couldn't get grapes 
in 2020. So 2021 came along. This this is a 2021 wine we're trying now. And obviously there was a lot of flux in the industry and a lot of movement, a lot of businesses struggling. I was made redundant in 2021 um, and thought, okay, well, I'm redundant. What do I do? So I went and emailed my dream winery to work at, which is Kumu River Wines out in yeah. Kumu. I said, hey, I'm just floating around if you need me. And they did because a whole lot mm. of their seasonal workers got stuck. They ah, couldn't yeah, actually right. come in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they gave me a job and it was fantastic. It was way cruisier than I'd experienced or had anticipated. They've got their systems down so tight. It's really cruisy working there. I mean, you've still got to be on to it and mm. you're still working night shifts, but I felt like I was really confident in what I knew. And a couple of friends of mine, Sam and Scarlett, they'd started Boutique Connection a few years before and they were they were in another industry that was booming and they were either going to let go of what they'd set up um, Boutique Connection or they were going to try and sell it. And Boutique Connection for my little brand really was quite a crucial uh, sales avenue for my little brand, mostly because they did a really good job of telling my story mm. to the customers. And when they spoke to me about maybe just letting it go or selling it, I was thinking, no, you can't do that. This is this is so special what you've got. And I went to them with a proposal where I would buy into it and maybe run it for them. And through the course of buying a business, it really just, it became easier for me to just buy it yep. outright from them. So now it's just me running it, which is absolutely full on, but so much, so much love. And because I was a producer for them, I really valued that company so much that I wanted to do all the customers and all the producers justice. Mm. So when I took over, I found it was really important to take customer service importantly, well, mainly because I had no idea how to get new customers. So I've got to look after yeah, the ones that have got. And uh, my brother... He's one of my, I guess he inspires me a lot. He's, he's a wonderful business entrepreneur himself. Um, and he said, you know, there was always this belief that customers are always right. But it's actually, that, that is a bit of a fallacy in that it's not necessarily that they're always right, but they're always the most important. Mm. And that made me think of how I spoke to all of the customers and I've actually had such a cruisy ride. Everyone has had wonderful feedback to Boutique Connection and Sam and Scarlett and what yeah. they did. Well, it's nice that you honoured it too because that's always the risk. You know, when they're saying goodbye and someone else is coming in, it's like, oh, hang on. I yeah. like the little handwritten notes. Are they going to continue? <laughs> I guess for our audience, we better explain what what is Boutique Connection. What, what are people signing up to, so to speak? Yeah. Well, Boutique Connection is... New Zealand's home of boutique wine. It is a wine subscription company. It's almost like a wine club, but I find it a little bit more on the side of trying to communicate each brand's story and really 
focus on the people behind each brand. Being in the wine industry for 18 years, I've met a lot of the New Zealand producers, big and small. And many of my peers and colleagues who have found long-time winemaking positions around the country have branched off and done their own little side hustle wine brands as well. So it's been really quite lovely to reconnect Mm. with them for a really good reason and help promote their stories, taste their wines because I've from afar, you're always thinking, oh, I wonder what my friend's wines taste like. But you never really get the opportunity. Mm. Um, so every month, people subscribe to a, a box of boutique wine and they receive either three or six or two, depending on the the subscription, um, of curated wines. So I guess you will fill out a little questionnaire and you'll tell us what we what you like and then we'll find wines that fit that. Mm. Yeah. And what I love is, because people's wines taste change as you get older or different medications that you're on <laughs> when you get older and to fear. And I love that you could just sort of send you an email and go, hey, I'm now interested in this and, it, and it's very personalised and that's because it is you at the end. What um, Renee does is when you receive your beautiful box every month, which is also very well packaged, I might add, mm-hmm. um, you get this handwritten note that tells you a little bit about the wine that you're getting, but you do feel like your best friend has just sent you a parcel because it's very much, hey Stephen, just letting you know, I thought you'd like this one for <laughs> summer because the sun's out, da, da. it's so lovely. How many hours do you spend writing cards? Oh, so many. Yeah. But you know what, that's the part that I love. And it's it's the thing that makes you different. You know, and I guess when Sam and Scarlett did it, they did it so well as well. Um, and there was often sort of digs in there. Scarlett would write a note going, we should have had this, but Sam hasn't done it. And it was like, but that was quite humorous <laughs> as well. So I love that you continued on. Do you know what made them start the business in the first place? I met them at the Boutique Wine Festival. I was pouring my wine. They were going around tasting wines and, and they said to me, you know, we thought we should just like start this boutique subscription it seems like there's no one else doing that there are a few other wine subscriptions out there but no one just solely focusing on the boutique wine story and interestingly the boutique wine story of New Zealand that is the part of the industry that is the most innovative Mm. and the drivers of sustainability a lot of the producers that we are following or, or putting in those boxes, they might have made maybe 300 bottles of that particular wine um, and they happen to be on the path to organics or, you know, and it's it's really amazing to see those are the producers Mm. actually that we should be following Mm. and promoting. And I love it when you open a bottle and it says bottle 201 of 400 you're like oh yeah yep. until you really fall in love with it and realize you can't can't get any more it does make it tricky for me because i'm thinking okay i've got to buy this many bottles for all of my subscribers and then they contact me and i'm like well they're, they're all gone sorry guys yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's great that's the beauty of this subscription is that we can buy the wine when it's re- released and enjoy it and share that story with one another and then, you know, hopefully, you, you know, we've, we've had some people check in with 
how their subscription's going and, and I'll fill them in about how much they've invested in the New Zealand boutique mm. scene. Um, because we do need to support these little mm. brands who are pushing the envelope um, and just really challenging the status quo. Yeah. How do you decide which wines or which boutique wineries you go to? Um, well, Sam and Scarlet, they put together a group of about 60 producers that they went and visited and really believed in their stories. Um, and from there, we have actually grown a little bit to probably more around 80 producers. Okay. They're all small. And boutique is a term that isn't really quantified or qualified. It's just, for me, it's just small brands that are really passionate about what they're doing. Some of them aren't even on the website there that, mm. are, that are listed. Um, so there's a brand recently that I just caught up with, Marathon Downs. They're growers in Marlborough and they sell most of their fruit off, but they just keep a little bit for themselves and make tiny little batches of wine and they're just insane. They're delicious wines. Um, barrel fermented Sauvignon Blanc, that kind of thing. Pet nets. Um, but usually people will contact me. I have a little questionnaire that they fill in and then we'll taste a wine together. If if we can meet, I'll meet them. Um, and then eventually the plan is to actually go around the country and do a little country calendar style interview I guess with each of these producers because some of their stories are just well worth telling um, especially having just been down to Hawke's Bay on holiday mind you <laughs> I couldn't help it I had to do a little bit of work as well <laughs> um, and it's just seeing the change there from the uh, cyclone from last year mm. uh, and hearing their stories of survival uh, is amazing I was going to talk about that a little later, but let's let's jump there now. I mean, you when the cyclone happened, you you did a real focus in the wine that was coming out and the notes that you put out, and you you did other things people could purchase specifically from that. Um, I think that's really cool that you responded to your people, if you like, mm. and helping them out at that time. Uh, did you find people sort of jumped on board with that? Amazingly, mm. they jumped on board, and I had this thought that. You know, we've this, we're this group of tiny producers, but the beautiful part of that is that we're not just one big company with hundreds of brands. We're, we are lots of little companies mm. coming together. And so there's actually quite a lot of human resource in that. So let's tap into that. And I didn't, I wasn't actually um, anticipating that we would have such a great response, but we sold 200 boxes of donated wine from other producers around the country in the space of two weeks. Yeah, that's so cool. <laughs> Which is amazing for this little company yeah. that we... And beautiful that all the other wineries did that as well. Yeah. yeah. Everyone jumped on b behind it. Um, and it was just such a special feeling to be able to hand over, I think it was about $15,000 over to the Hawke's Bay Wine Brilliant. Growers. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. So from a business point of view, what's been your biggest learning to date? Oh, that's a good what's question. What's that challenge that you had to overcome? Because I've, 
I've made my own wine for 10 years. I always knew that there were certain challenges, you know, paying GST, getting a good accountant, getting good advice, etc. But owning a business that was direct to consumer was new for me. Right. And the biggest hurdle for me was trying to discover the value of of advertising, how to advertise, mm. where to advertise, what um, what was a valuable place to position your advertising as well. And I think it's quite it's a in a lot of flux at the moment as well. It's easier to spend a lot of money on social media advertising and not really see a result. Uh, so. I'm still learning, mm. to be honest. Um, how to connect to new customers is probably the biggest. I was a Facebook ad clicker. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, and oh, I've signed up to a few know. things <laughs> over the years through that, including a nice scam that cleaned my account out, but that's oh, another no. story. You know, that's the only trouble. You sort of fall into the trap. We've all been there. Yeah, but, um, yeah, it is interesting what you say, and it's, you know everyone in, in the real estate world and in the arts world that I'm involved with, it's a constant conversation because that marketing space is changing. And on one level, everything is so digital, but then you've still got lots of people that enjoy reading a newspaper physically in their hands. They still watch television live, so they need the adverts. So it yeah. is, I think our, our market has got so broad now, your advertising budgets have to get stretched to hit all these different avenues in order to really get it out to everybody. There so is no true. easy fix. Yeah. And the fundraiser that we did, that was a that was a social media success story. That was just people emailing and sharing their story on Instagram over and over and over. So that it, it's the power of social media right there. Interestingly though, it didn't really continue, which which I was you know, I just found that fascinating. And also Google has changed a lot mm. in the last, even just the last three, four months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're not spending the money, you're not getting that up there. Yeah. Which is difficult. And I think we forget when we're just typing that search in Google that people are actually paying to get that answer in front of you. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Sometimes it's quite good to click to page two immediately yeah. and get a little bit more of a, an honest look at what's available. Mm. Mm. Okay. That's interesting. Mm. I w I'm quite fascinated to look back at some of the emails that Sam and Scarlett sent in the early days as well. Like you buy a business, you inherit all this mm. information. You don't know exactly what, how they did things in, in the past. or And they did do quite a lot of sort of cold calling, I guess. Mm. Um, and I wanted to ask you a question actually. With the the real estate industry when people buy houses is there is there like a gift giving thing is that yeah it is lots of agents listening to our show um <laughs> yeah they they still do i mean it is up to the agent every yeah. company is different um but generally yeah absolutely something okay. is something is left yeah i mean it's a massive transaction yeah, you would think that, mm. that you would want to celebrate in some way and I thought that Boutique Connection could be a great gift mm. idea, um, especially if you're moving into a new home and you've got this maybe a, a two or three month gift subscription yeah. where it just To comes. kick it off, yeah. yeah. Um, but they did actually cold call a lot of real estate agents 
and didn't really get anywhere with that. So I thought that that was quite fascinating. Something to pick up again, mm. perhaps. Yeah. Uh-huh. I know from a property management point of view, we had on, towards the end of last year, Will and Abel on here, mm-hmm. who create amazing cleaning products with a team of neurodiverse staff and a lot of uh, com- agencies have gone and brought them as subscriptions for their tenants so each cool. you know month you get your little pack arrive of cleaning products and how clever is that which that actually cool. also keeps the house yeah going as well exactly um where would you like it to go where's you know put your leadership hat on you're currently a team of one in this <laughs> um so I can't ask you questions about how you lead your team, although, you know, I guess if things get tough, the bottle gets opened a little bit earlier <laughs> in the afternoon. But where would you like to go growth and expansion-wise? Well, Boutique Connection, taking this over was actually more of a stepping stone to my ultimate dream, which is I'd really like to start an urban winery in Auckland and showcase as a collective rather than just one Okay brand it's more of a collective space for lots of urban uh, sorry lots of boutique producers to come and use either for them to meet clients or to showcase their wines and do little events but I'd like to bring the magic of winemaking to the people so that in my mind would envisage um, some foot stomping some small batch winemaking showing people how barrels are made glassware, maybe even get into the sort of more sciencey, nerdy part of the lab. Because there is so much science to wine. I mean, you said at the start, a three-year degree. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not something you just go and read a book, go out and make some wine. No, a Bachelor of Wine yeah, Science. Bachelor of Wine Science. Who there we knew? go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and you enjoy that scientific bit. I really do. I, I'm one of those people who just, I keep asking why. Why, 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 why? I'm the annoying kid. Why? Why? <laughs> and I just, I love to know how things, especially the biochemistry in our bodies in particular is what I'm really interested in. And I think that science is one of those things where everyone can love it in some way. You can you can be really nerdy about the equations, the physics, or even just biology, you know, just the theories and the ideas. Um, so I think sharing the love of fermentation can, you can really talk about sauerkraut, you can talk about anything really. Mm. And it's this magic that we've only really just discovered in the last 200 years. So let's share it with everyone. Do you see the wine industry in New Zealand changing much at the moment? There's a lot of discussion about the industry is facing this struggle where people at the other end of life they've lived a big a good life and they've had to stop drinking so that group of people aren't drinking so much but then also the next generation aren't drinking so much at all and if they are drinking it's tends to be RTDs. Well, I was going to say, the younger, I have two daughters, and the younger generation definitely has a wider scope of what they can buy. I mean, there's your craft beers, your RTDs, but they're also big on cocktails. I mean, growing up, could never afford a cocktail. (laughs) These days, of course, you know, your teenagers all have jobs, and your young 20s have jobs that are earning money. So that's a shift. Um, But it's also about 
I, I like the fact that you're selling the story and the brand and a lot of young people are really hot on that about understanding the story behind something. So maybe that's in your future marketing. I yeah. think so. Yeah, definitely. Telling the story is what people are being sold on at the moment mm. and putting the human face behind mm. wine. There's enough photos of people holding a bunch of grapes or, you know, hands or vine, vines in the distance with the sun setting. We've got enough of those photos. We need the real gritty human side to winemaking, which is what I really would love to do with that urban winery. And interestingly, though, I've done a lot of philosophizing about why is it that young people aren't really turning to wine? And it seems to be dropping. It used to have a consistent level in the mid-20s to sort of rise a little bit. Not that I want to promote drinking so much, but what I'm really passionate about is how do we engage people with what they're putting Mm. in their body? Because a lot of those RTDs are, they're made out of milk, whey, spirit, it's not necessarily vegan. They don't have to really say that it's milk mm. waste, spirit, but they just mix it with all sorts of flavors, you know. So sugar, people sugar aren't really more sugar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not young people think that they're putting something good into their body, but they're not really understanding what it is. Mm. And people often want to disengage when they drink. It's not actually mm. about engaging. Mm. So there should uh, it's more about why people are drinking and how they're drinking. And how do we engage them in what they're mm. tasting and smelling? And supporting. Mm, yes. Boutique and local, not the big guys all the time. You're probably far too young to remember, but, you know, the old Miami wine cooler days, I mean, that was my teenage intro into wine, <laughs> was definitely the the couple of ca- bottles, I think they were little bottles, not cans originally, of good old Miami wine cooler. I've heard all about these. <laughs> I haven't tried one. <laughs> <laughs> they were great. They were really fruity. and, and it, But it, what it did is sort of, I guess at a young age, had you drinking white wine. Exactly, and then yeah. suddenly you were of an age of, oh, I want to step up to the real stuff. It was interesting. Here's the ultimate question. What is your favourite type of wine? Not brand, but type of wine. Ooh. Ooh. If we went t- into your house tonight, you're cooking dinner... I know you're going to say it depends what I'm cooking, but <laughs> what would be the first thing you would grab? That is so hard because I've, I'm one of those people who I drink to the occasion. So if it's breakfast, I will have some champagne. Right. Um, but, you know, you can't go wrong with champagne. You really, really can't. So if mm. you're coming to my house, Stephen, for dinner, yep. Yep. champagne Excellent. will just disappear. Brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> Um, but I love a good Syrah. That's one of those wines that makes me stop and think. Yeah. 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 No, I'd agree there. I'd go with both of those. <laughs> Champagne early in the day, Syrah later. Um, talking about your packages now, people can jump on your website and see sort of the variety. You've added flowers into the mix. Yes. So this is a new thing. Yeah. Um, I have this amazing local floral uh, florist, I guess, (laughs) up the road from where I operate out of in Oraki. And she is growing her own flowers. She's really passionate about composting and sustainability. And she's very talented. She's Japanese. And I just got to talking to her one day and I found that four hours later, I was still talking to her. 
and we decided, hey, why don't we give this a shot and do a little bit of a floral and wine subscription. So it's a great gift for Mother's Day, for instance. Um, so you're supporting a local grower and also boutique local wines. It's just this match made in heaven, really. That is so cool. <laughs> I love it. And everyone likes getting flowers. Why not get them delivered to yourself once a month? Exactly. That is, the, <laughs> yeah, very cool. And also you've got non-alcoholic wines. Yeah, so I was um, speaking to the local district um, about, you know, we're selling, we're, we are selling boutique wine made by small producers and none of them produce zero alcohol wine because it's a it's such an expensive process and most of these zero alcohol wines are produced by large producers um but my partner doesn't drink mm. and so oh, i'm conflicted because mm-hmm. i want to support small but i think starting with um what's available and and putting that out there and then growing that market and eventually we will be able to come up with a solution for boutique producers to make boutique zero alcohol wine as well. That's the plan. Um, Because I really want to support that movement. I think there's room for improvement. Uh, Some of the best zero alcohol wines are whites. I I haven't come across a nice red yet. Mm. But it's only through supply and demand yep. that we... Yeah, that people will experiment more and yeah. go, hang on, we need to hit this market. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. What do you love most about your job? This, meeting yeah. people. I just love to do, uh, get a little bit nerdy with other people and because I actually love to live vicariously through other people <laughs> <laughs> and wine is just that beautiful lubricant it's social lubricant that you'll start chatting about something that you love and suddenly I'm off you know on stage being in theatre for a moment brilliant um, but it, yeah it's the people that is so cool now I told you at the start of this before we went on here I said 40 minutes is going to go really fast it has and no it, way and I feel like we could talk for ages there's so much we haven't touched on um, tell people how can they track down your subscription site but also your own personal wines where do people head definitely go to Google our, our old friend Google and type in boutique wine subscription New Zealand probably um and you'll be able to find www.boutiqueconnection.co.nz and there'll be a lot of stories of some of our producers, not all of them because there's quite a few to get through and hopefully on Instagram as well if you're on Instagram at Boutique Connection. You'll be able to follow along and watch uh, my my dad and I who's a photographer take photos of of all these producers as we slowly get our way through That's them. Because cool. Dad does deliveries too, doesn't he? He does. I've met Dad. Lanchophobia. Brilliant. <laughs> and your own winery, how do people track this down? That's moiwines.com. And, but you can purchase it through Boutique Connections, so you can find it on there as well. Fantastic. Look, highly recommend it. Great customer service. Also makes a really good gift if you've got that person in your life that you're not sure what do I get them something like a subscription they can always you can do a three months and then let them take it from there and kick it off um, absolutely fantastic having you on the show tonight Renee thank you very much keep up the good work and we'll look forward to seeing where it grows 
Thanks, Stephen. If you are a New Zealand business doing something awesome like Renee, email us at propertymatters at barfoot.co.nz. Next week, we're heading to the North Shore to chat real estate, market, and all those things. No wine next week, although if they're listening, you know, bring in the Syrah. Have a fabulous week. Drive safe, and we'll catch you next week on Property Matters.